We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But Ryan, let's get to our – we have some mailbag questions here. We're just going to wrap these up, knock these out as quickly as we can, but still giving good answers as best we can as well. Tyler Evans with a couple super chats. Thank you, Tyler. In your opinion, which four teams does the college football playoff committee really want in the their playoff? Oh, I mean, you want to take a shot at that, Ryan, first? I, I don't know I mean, if I say they want four specifically. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, I was thinking more for like TV ratings, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. I mean – that's I what mean, it's about. Alabama, right? Alabama, they would love to get Alabama in if they could, right? Because people are going to watch Alabama even if they hate Alabama. Georgia's one, obviously, and they're deserving of being in. Ohio mm-hmm. State's another because they present a different type of team. So Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. The last four, honestly, they probably want TCU in there, right? Because that's like the great story and people would watch it. No, you don't think so? You don't no, because so. the fan base isn't big enough. I don't That's think the they point. care about stories as much as they care about money. And I don't think TCU mm-hmm. brings as much money as Tennessee would, who's got a huge fan base. Oh, uh, good good call. You know, and, they, um, and, and Tennessee still has that great offense, right. too. So that and same thing with Clemson. Same yeah. thing with L- – that's why LSU is where they are. They're trying to get mm-hmm. LSU within striking distance that if TCU loses, they can justify putting them up, which will turn a lot of people off of the committee. Uh, I mean, I've yes. been a defender of the committee for every year. This is the first year I'm like, I'm really questioning things that they're doing right now. Like the mm-hmm. only time I've ever really disagreed with the committee was the first year when they put Ohio State in over TCU, not yeah. even because I thought that they got it wrong, but I thought the process was jacked up and how they did it was jacked up. Like, how are sure. you going to have TCU ahead of Baylor one week, knowing Baylor already beat TCU, then Baylor beats Iowa State or TCU beats Iowa State 55 to three. And then somehow mm-hmm. you leap Baylor in front of them and say, well, it's because they went head to head. They went head to head three weeks ago, right? Like this doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, you leap Ohio State in front of them. I just didn't like the process, even though I thought the four teams, I mean, I, I mean Ohio State was was very good that year. They went on to win the title. It was the way they went about it. Since then, I've, I've agreed with their decisions every year. Some seeding things here and there, you know, Clemson being the one in 2017, I didn't necessarily agree with. But whatever, I thought they got the right four teams for most most part. This year's the first year I'm like, dude, I'm seeing some really weird stuff in the rankings this year, some really weird stuff. 
So, I mean, I think they want two SEC teams is what I think they want. I don't think they're going to force the issue as much, but I think they want. And and honestly, I don't think they're opposed to Clemson being in there either. I think because Clemson's got a great fan base. Clemson's still a moneymaker. You know, so I think they want LSU or Clemson to kind of jump in there. I think they want TCU to lose a game so they can justify putting Tennessee in. And I don't think they'd have a problem with Michigan being in. I just don't think they're going to put two Big Ten teams in there. I don't. I just Mm. – the only way that they'll put two Big Ten teams in there is if Ohio State loses. I think Ohio State has a decent case for being in if Notre Dame wins out. That's the thing. That's another team I think they'd like to get in there too. I think – I think – Part of the reason I think USC has a shot to get in is because they have a they have one of the best remaining schedules. They got to play UCLA, they got to play Notre Dame, and then they got to play either Oregon or Utah. Mm-hmm. If USC went runs the table, their only loss will be to a a Utah team that this committee clearly thinks very highly of by mm-hmm. a point. Potentially get a rematch against Utah. They'll have beaten Notre Dame. They'll beat UCLA, and and twelve and one USC. With that market, with the title game being in Los Angeles, what's the best way to get West Coast fans interested in the playoff? Because if USC is not in it, they're not going to give a rip, even if the title game's out there. Is to have your team, your hometown team, have a shot to play for the title. I absolutely think they would boost UC USC up. Now, we could argue, does UC deserve to be in there? We could have that conversation. I personally think if they run the table, they would have a legitimate argument to be in. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to beat UCLA, Notre Dame, and then either Utah or Oregon three straight games other than teams that are already going to be in Ohio State, Georgia, that kind of thing. And let's mm-hmm. say Ohio State beats Michigan. An 11-1 and Michigan with a win over Penn State and then nothing else is going to get in over a USC team who will have beaten Notre Dame, who will have beaten UCLA, who will have beaten either Oregon or Utah? No way. No way. Yeah, okay. No way they're going to be able to justify that. No way. And so now Michigan and USC's resumes now are very similar, very Mm -hmm. similar. But USC has a lot left on their schedule that can get them some really impressive results, right? I don't think they're going to do it. At least I don't hope that they don't do it. (laughs) But I I think they have a shot too. And I think the committee would love to put USC in there. Like I think their dream scenario is, that USC is one of the teams that runs the table and that TCU gets knocked off. I do. I do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tyler Evans, what was your favorite year of recruiting? Um, this year, because it's my first year covering it. They're easy one. Yeah. There I you mean, go. I, um, I, I actually don't know off the top of my head. I mean, that's yeah. an interesting question. Probably 2013, just watching that class get put together with all with yeah. Jalen Smith and getting Max Redfield late and Cole Luke and Malik Zaire and Greg Bryan and Torian Folston and Will Fuller and – just kind of watching that. Mike McGlinchey was in that. That was a heck of a class, man. Good night. That was a heck of a class. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was probably the one just because of – because you had – you were enjoying the season. Mm-hmm. And then also you're watching them just land this big recruit after big recruit. And I'll be honest too, Ryan, I wasn't covering the team that year. So I could I, – I think I kind of enjoy it more as a fan right. than the ins and outs and the ups and downs and everything kind of going on, I think, is, is where I got it from, you know, kind of – I think enjoyed a little bit more that year. So probably that would be my, my favorite year covering the fall in the 2018 was like the 20 2008 recruiting class was a little like, it was a great class. It was probably better than the 2013 class, but it got put together during a three and nine years. So it just kind of took some mm-hmm. of the fun off of that recruiting class. Cause you're like, God, this sure. team stinks. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah, that was 2020, probably mine. 2023 has been fun, though, because, I mean, when you think about mm-hmm. it, Brian, full picture, like this could be a gigantic leap for Notre Dame going forward. Like 2023 class could be a huge part of hopefully the ascension that the program takes, which, I mean, it could be a historic class when all said and done. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Next question from Robert Bishop says, uh, am I detecting a little bit of frustration in the offensive play calling from Brian? Yeah. My sarcasm meter was up pretty high this week. Yeah, I'm very frustrated by it just because it's like it's simple stuff, man. It's like we're not even asking them to reinvent the wheel or reinvent themselves. It's just stuff that will build on what you're doing. It's just the it's just been frustrating, to be honest with you. It's been really fr- and then we see little glimpses of it, and then you're like, okay, build on that, and then they go away from it. Like, you know, it just it's frustrating. Let's get Irish blooded asked this question, Ryan, is there anything you need to see this week in the BC game that you hope they have prepared for next week against USC? Let me answer this, Ryan. And you tell me if you disagree yep. with this. I think that Notre Dame needs to, doesn't need, they need to get some momentum, but it's, it's not an absolute must because we have seen this team be able to compartmentalize winning and losing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been really strange to watch it happen you watch them play the way they did in back-to-back games against Marshall and Cal, and you're thinking, yeah, defense better be on top of their game next week against North Carolina, and then they just come out and play like gangbusters. You know, play right. two really good games in a row against UNLV or against North Carolina and BYU, and then you just play like garbage against B- against Stanford. And there really wasn't anything about the, the Stanford or UNLV games that gave us any indication that they were going to go into Syracuse and do what they did to Syracuse, right? So – this and and then you play great against Clemson. You're thinking they turn the corner, and then you go do what you did against Navy. This team is just—I think they're going to be up for the USC game because it's the USC game, and that's just what this team does. Uh, I think that that momentum that we've discussed gives them a better chance of winning. 
But with this team, Ryan, I don't think there's anything that's an absolute must in regard to if they don't do it, they're going to win, they're going to lose. But I do think yeah. momentum is the one thing that they need to give them, and even it enhances their opportunity to go in there and play well offensively next week against USC. What say you? Yeah, I don't disagree with it. I think that, like you said, this has been a team that has just kind of turned that switch on to play against the best teams. So it's there's nothing that's a must. I agree with that. It would be nice because I feel like Notre Dame has done a better job of being more sound from a pass coverage perspective. So it would be nice to just see them kind of continue that trend this week, you know, and not give up any big plays off of miscommunication or a broken coverage or anything like that. Cause that would make you nervous against going against the USC team, right? Like right. giving them, cause they're a potent passing attack alone. So I don't want to give them anything easy. Right. So it would be nice if they just go into Boston college, not have any coverage bus, be consistent, be, have good eye discipline, like that type of stuff. That'll make me feel better. But to your point, Brian, I don't think that's a must because Notre Dame has turned it on against good teams. Yep, we're on the same page. Next one from uh, Joseph Hall. Good one, Irish blooded. Joseph Hall says, what happens if the quarterback is injured in the first quarter? Can Notre Dame win with a second-string quarterback? Notre Dame is already winning with a second-string quarterback. Can Notre Dame with a, yeah. win with a third-string quarterback? I mean, honestly, the way that the second-string quarterback has been playing recently, I mean, they don't need the quarterback to – I mean, Steve Angeli can go in there and manage a game, in my opinion, and hand the ball off. And, you know, so yeah. can they beat Boston College that way? Yes. Can they beat – USC that way I don't think so but I don't know if they can beat USC if Drew Pine doesn't play better I don't think I don't think they can do to USC what they did to Clemson I don't I don't think they can replicate that because this team will be able to score USC Mm -hmm. will be able to score so uh, BC yes yes I mean honestly they could beat BC with Ron Paulus Jr. if the defense plays its game I mean honestly he can just turn around and hand the ball I mean I'm serious he can hand the ball off and throw a slide route to Michael Mayer you know, yeah. and they could win 20 to 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC is a different story. You know, it's a, it's a different animal, in my opinion, right? Completely agree. Completely agree. I, th- I think that, like you said, there is a – and this is – I don't think that this is the right w- way to go about it, but there is a reality where Notre Dame just runs duo all day and they beat Boston College, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. good enough to do that. But I don't think that long-term that's the best way to go about this football game. But it is possible for sure. As long as your quarterback doesn't kill you, if he can just manage a game and stay out of his own way and not trip over his own feet, like that's, yes, they are talented enough to beat Boston College, even with their third or fourth stringer, to your point. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Ed, and Ed says, if, if I were BC, I'd come out exactly how Navy played defense in the second half and make Pine beat me. Why won't they do that? They don't have anything to lose. couple reasons. One, number one, Ryan, is Navy did that because that's who Navy is. Right. Navy also has a very good run defense, which made it easier for them to make Drew Pine beat them. And in the first half, he did, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Drew Pine beat them with his arm because his arm is why they had such a big lead in the first place, right? right. And they struggled to hold on to it, uh, number one. Number two, they do have something to lose because Notre Dame will have prepared for that all week. This is why you don't just repeat a game plan that happened a week before because otherwise you could say that, why didn't – the team that played Oklahoma the next week just repeat what Texas did because the team is different. That's Mm -hmm. not who BC is. BC is not a heavy stunt pressure type of team. And they don't have the quickness, the foot quickness on the first two levels that Navy has. They're bigger, stronger guys. That's not who they are. So they wouldn't be able to replicate that as effectively as Navy did either. And Notre Dame Mm -hmm. will be better prepared for it. So uh, that's why, and that's why you don't see teams like, you know, why didn't, 
why didn't everybody that played Texas, Alabama after Texas do exactly what Texas did? Because it doesn't work that way. It, right. it just doesn't work that way in football. And, and Boston College also has a lot to lose from their coaching perspective, too, because if Jeff Halfley right. has a bad performance, I mean, who knows how long that, if, that, if, that uh, yeah. situation is going to last. If they get blown out by Notre Dame, and then last game of the year is an interesting one because they're home against Syracuse. Well, like you say against Syracuse, it's like – Yeah, eh. he could be out of a job. I mean, I'm serious, yeah. Like, which is crazy to think about given how I thought he started and, and the, the hype that they had about him coming in. It, it's – it could get a it could get a little bit ugly. We have a, a question from our resident Ohio State fan, Archer. It says Brian, what's the preview for Ohio State and Maryland? I mean, honestly, I just Mar- Maryland's kind of back to being who they were. You know, it's they they start off six and two. They they looked I mean, honestly, and it started it started over a month ago when they mm-hmm. lost to Purdue at home. They beat Indiana simply because they have better athletes. They barely beat Indiana. They barely beat Northwestern, won by a touchdown just because they have better athletes. Then they got embarrassed by Wisconsin, just out physical by Wisconsin, out physical by Penn State. And I think Ohio State is a team to me that uh, I don't know how Ohio State's going to prepare for this game. I don't. I don't know what kind of mental space Ohio State is going to be in. I have a feeling Ohio State's going to kind of come out and rip them apart early. They're on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of come out, be locked in. I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of Michigan love going on right now, and people are kind of picking apart every little thing Ohio State does now. I I think Ohio State kind of comes out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and if they don't, I'm going to get a little bit worried about this Ohio State team. To be completely mm-hmm. honest with you, Ryan. So I'm very yeah. curious how they do it, but I I just don't think I don't think they have a quarterback that's nearly consistent or good enough to do what's needed to be done to to like. To, to do what happened a few years ago and like that Anthony McFarland team just went up and down the field on Ohio State. I don't think this Maryland team has that all around. Like that team had good pass catchers and a great running back. This team has really good pass catchers and that's it. Yep. Uh, and, and, and that's why I just don't think Maryland has a chance to be competitive in this game. The only way this is a close game is if Ohio State just comes out play. like they don't want to be there. Yeah. Yep. Yep, because, I mean, to your point, out, Maryland can out-athlete a lot of teams, but if your recipe to beat Ohio State is to out-athlete them, yeah, it's probably not That's why they got smacked by Penn State last week, because Penn State's got athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's – Oh, yeah. They have athletes, and that's why they embarrassed Maryland last week. I mean, really embarrassed Maryland last week. Yeah, that was an ugly game, man. Ugly oh, game. yeah. Anthony Solomon says, Brian, if the live game works, do you foresee it happening again next year during one of the big games? It just depends on where the big game is at. The reason this particular situation is going to work is because it's a game in California. I'm not going out to California. I'm not, we I can't really, we're not in a really situation where I can pay people to go out to California, nor would I want to do that. So, and it's after Thanksgiving. So we made the decision to not cover the game live uh, for several different reasons. And, so, hey, let's try it. Let's have some fun with it. Is it something that we'll do a lot more next year? Depends on how this goes. Yep. I mean, do I mean, look, this is a business. I mean, we're doing it partly for fun, right? Because we're going to be doing, we're going to be chatting, texting, and doing all this stuff. It's kind of like what Sean Davis has said. This is going to be a chance for people to kind of get a, a glimpse into what we, how we communicate during the game. But instead of doing it through text, we're going to be doing it here. Uh, but it's not something we're going to necessarily do consistently. I have work to do during games and this is kind of after Thanksgiving. And, you know, a lot of times for home games, we're at the games 
you know, for the Syracuse game, Ryan and I were both there at the game. We couldn't have done it that way. It's, this one is just a bit unique. But again, if it makes enough money, and then, yeah, there may be a business decision that needs to get made about, okay, what do we do? Because it's also twofold. It's not just, well, this does really well, but what if this does really well, but the post-game show is not as viewed as much because people are already getting our thoughts in this game. Well, the post-game yeah. show is our best moneymaker on YouTube. So it's just it's a lot. I mean, these are business decisions, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, Anthony. And that's kind of the thing you ask is we're going to do it for some fun. But as far as making it, this one we're doing for fun. Making it a permanent thing would have to be because financially it just makes too much sense to not do it. And, you know, that's kind of, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, that's, that's where it's at. Because at the end of the day, we still have a business to run. And I try to make as many decisions as I can that are very customer friendly it's why our prices are what they are. It's why we haven't raised prices. It's why we are you know do the a lot of things that we do. But at the end of the day, I still have you know bills to pay and, and a business to run. And so if it does well enough, then we'll certainly look at it. Even with all the logistical issues, certainly look at it. Irish Blood has said, "Do you expect Kenny Minchie to announce at Notre Dame this week? Is or is this a visit and then announcement down the road? I don't. I, I you know he's gonna." If things go well this weekend, all I'm going to say is we don't expect his recruitment to, to be drawn out too much. Beyond that, I don't yep. really feel comfortable saying Irish blooded because then you start kind of getting into the whole, well, now we're kind of giving away some of the secret sauce of what this kid plans to do, and that's just not really what we do. But if things go well, it's not a secret to say if things go well this weekend, he's he's we think he's going to pick Notre Dame. That's just kind of obvious. So we're not going to insult you that way, but the particulars we're just not going to get into right now. Rob did off with a question. Rob asks Brian and Ryan, when is it when is it the appropriate time to postpone rescheduling an NCAA football game due to bad weather? I always thought the 2016 NC State game should have been rescheduled. Before a team gets on a plane and goes there. I mean, once the team right. kind of goes there, you're kind of like, okay, barring like a, a a landfall hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake or some like major natural disaster. I think once a team has kind of got on the road and gone, then it, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Regarding this week's game, there's no reason to cancel this game. I mean, it's football. This isn't baseball. This isn't this isn't soccer where the game is impeded by a ton of snow. I don't think right. the snow is going to be such that it's unsafe to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And if fans can't get there, that's okay. All you really need is the two teams, you know? I mean, they played a whole season with no fans, so by choice. And guess what? They still were able to play football. Uh, mm-hmm. So as long as it's safe for the teams to get there, then then I don't think this game is any danger of it. Nor, nor is Rob necessarily saying that. I'm just in, inferring a little bit from it. But, I mean, I think if weather is a concern, it should it should happen before the teams go on the plane. Notre Dame should never have been allowed to get on a plane and go play that football game. Yeah. should never have never happened. And, right. Yeah. It all comes down to safety for me. I mean, mm-hmm. if the players, unless it's a situation where your players legitimately have safety concerns for not playing, then that's the only time that a football game should be called off. Like snow. I mean, you know, Brian, I know you were a quarterback, so it might be a little different, right? But like, who doesn't want to play in a snow game, man? Who doesn't want to play in bad weather? Like, I know that's what I'm saying. Besides for the quarterbacks in the room, like as a linebacker, defensive player, I'm yeah. like, man, I want it to snow. I want it to be cold. I don't want to wear sleeves. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff, man. Yeah. Meanwhile, you need your hand warmer and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I had to. I had to one like around, like swinging around, yeah. like I'm cool when I'm ready to put my hand <laughs> under the center. 
No, oh, yeah. And it's no fun. No fun. <laughs> All right. Irish Shy Town says, Brian, which college football teams have surprised you the most the most this season? Ryan, do you wanna do you wanna take a first crack at that one? I mean, it's it's got to be TCU, right? Like that's number one. I, yeah. I thought I thought Sunny, I thought they'd be better under Sunny Dykes because the offense was just so bad over I thought the last that was couple a years. Great hire, yeah. But I thought like I mean, maybe tap out at nine and three, great hire, Ryan. Not like right. you know eight and four I, I, probably. I, I, but. Yeah, I was thinking eight and four. I was like seven yeah. to five, eight and four, first year. That's a great starting point, right? Mm-hmm. But now we're talking about them potentially being in the college football playoff. Like that's it's insane, mm-hmm. man. So it starts with TCU. You know, when I originally saw this question, I thought that's in C- uh, CFL teams. I'm like, Canadian football still happening? <laughs> Sorry, don't have an opinion on that, buddy. Uh, I know Nathan Rourke's really good for for what that yeah. worth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, TCU, man, that's the number one is for me. UCLA, I thought UCLA would be pretty good this year, but they have played even better. I need to see how I they thought. first, Ryan. That, that's yeah. my thing. I need to see how UCLA finishes first before I can say mm-hmm. that they're a surprise. Because they're eight and two right now, they play USC at home and then at Cal. Yeah. If they lose at home to USC, even if they beat Cal next week, you're like they went nine and three. That's a one game improvement on last year, right? Sure, sure. So I gotta, I gotta see them. I gotta see them finish. I think finish. same, like same with Washington, right? Like part of me wants to say Washington because I knew they had players, but okay, do they beat Colorado and Washington State? these next two weeks and or if they do lose to Washington State this is at least a close game and they finish nine and three that's a right. really good turnaround that I thought is a little I thought they would I thought they'd win because they had talent but I thought again I thought like seven and five eight and four nine and three is not that much of an upgrade over that but if they go ten and two all of a sudden you're like yo they they did some things like that I thought that they weren't capable of so uh the, and, and I'll be honest U.S. Yeah. Oh, go ahead I was just going to say two surprises in a bad way because surprise just ask for a surprise mm-hmm. surprise does not have to be mm-hmm. a positive right one is Jimbo Fisher with Texas a and I did not think they were going to be this bad. We obviously. thought they were like, overrated, but we thought eight and yes. four, seven eight and five and was what. I thought that was the exactly. bar for him. Eight and four, maybe nine and three. Like, cool. The other one's Oklahoma. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be great, but I didn't think they would be this bad, man. Like, they're a bad football team. USC, if they win out, will be there for me. If you see it, even if they lose the Pac 12 title game and go 11 and two, that's a big surprise. I didn't, I thought they'd be more of an eight and four team. Now, what they've been aided, and this is why I say I need to see the next couple weeks play out because if they lose these next two games, then they're pretty much right where I thought they'd be because there's been some teams in the league that are down. And so uh, I need to see how the season finishes because so there's some Pac-12 teams that to me are are up in the air. I'll even say Tennessee's a surprise for me. Now, we predicted a breakout season for Tennessee. We thought they'd have a – they were my surprise team of the year but they've surprised me even more. They've been even better than I thought that they were going to be, Ryan. I think that's Agreed. another one, even though Agreed. they were our our kind of our breakout pick. And look, I'll give credit where credit is due. LSU's been better record-wise than I thought they'd be. I did not Agreed. think they'd be centered eight and two in the West Champs. I did not. I did not think they're going to be Bama. So props to Brian Kelly for getting that team, you know, kind of rolling. And now they again, they've benefited from they've had some good luck. If we're going to be mm-hmm. completely honest with you, you have to be real about that. Uh, they had some good luck in that. Arkansas was just a completely devastated team by the time they played. You know, there's some other teams in the division that just aren't that good. The schedule hasn't been that tough. You know, Florida's not as good as people thought, right? Yeah. They they might be. 
Uh, but beating Ole Miss and Alabama in back-to-back games is not something I thought that team was capable of. I did predict them to beat Ole Miss, but I did not think they were going to then go beat Alabama. So props to them. They're a surprise. Now, again, they got to finish, but I, I expect them to beat UAB and, and Texas A&M. If they lose mm-hmm. one of those two games, and all of a sudden it takes a lot of the shine off. Uh, is there anybody else that's been kind of a, a – a negative Nebraska just completely fall on their face again surprised me. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought Nebraska had a chance to the way that they lost games last year, they were competitive, they got some transfers in. You know, the kid from TCU that we've talked about, the DN from TCU that was their best pass oh, rush last year went to Nebraska. Yeah. You know, Casey Thompson's not great, but you, you kind of realize maybe Adrian Martinez wasn't the problem. You know, may, it yeah. really was Scott Frost that was the problem. You know, uh, I didn't I I I mean they're bad. And they yeah, bad. they're bad. They're really bad. Ar- Arkansas is a disappointment for me. I know they've yeah. been with injury, but like they just yeah. haven't been great. See, that's year. why they're kind of an asterisk for me, Ryan, because of that. He's in year three. I don't expect the roster to be in such a great place that they're they can handle all the injuries that he he's had to deal with. It's fair. That's why I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass this year. Uh, I mean, any you other? You literally lost Arkansas at this some points this year. You lost your two most important football players. You lost your quarterback, and then Jalen Catalan mm-hmm. was your best defensive player by far yeah. coming into the season, and he's been out the majority of the year too. So it's been tough for Pittman. Uh, North Carolina is a team that was my breakout. They were they were a team not breakout. They were a team that we said in the offseason, Ryan could be a surprise team on the schedule. I didn't mm-hmm. think eleven and one run away with the coastal was that. I mean, they're a surprise team for me. But the biggest surprise for me, there's one good and one bad. The big mm-hmm. surprise for me in the ACC is Mike Elko and the job he's done at Duke. Dude. Even if they yeah. lose their next two games, seven and five is a huge improvement over what they were. And I don't think they're going to lose both of their next two games. I think Duke's going to at least at worst go one and one against Pitt and Wake Forest. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's done a phenomenal job. And, and surprisingly, the negative is I predicted Miami to win the Coastal. <laughs> They've been bad. Yeah. And they're terrible. Yeah, and and they're they're they may not be bowl eligible, Ryan. That's I mean, there's wild, a legitimate man. chance that Miami is not going to be bowl eligible this year. Think about it. they're five and five right now. They play Clemson this weekend, and then they play Pitt at the end of the season. It's not a given that a physical team like Pitt, because one thing I'll say about Pitt, they have issues. They're a physical football team, mm-hmm. and Miami has not handled that very well. They have not handled physicality very well. So, and if what you and I think may happen, which is this team is going to kind of pack it in, they're mm-hmm, going to lose to Pitt mm-hmm. in the last game because there's going to be nobody at that game. If yeah. they get beat by Clemson, <laughs> there's going to be nobody at that game. Like we yeah. could get sideline tickets for 10 bucks at that. I would be one, you know what I mean? Betcha day of if we wanted to go to that game, which I wouldn't. Dude, but, Miami fans are some of the loudest on Twitter, and then they never go to the games. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so well, and then they get real quiet when their team sucks, right? Because oh, yeah. that's what Miami fans do. They're front runners. Uh, Florida State, if they win out, which they have a great shot of doing against Louisiana and Florida, is a year ahead of schedule for me for what I thought Mike Norvell could do. I thought he'd be like an eight and four year this year, and then you know, then kind of, but nine and nine and three with win a blowout win over Miami, a beating LSU. Florida State's been a really good team this year. They got to finish though. Because mm-hmm. if they finish the year with with two SEC wins, think about what that's going to do for their recruiting. Yeah, like, we got two SEC wins this year. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be and a blowout win over Miami. That could be it. So those are the, some of the teams, Ryan, for me that have been um, good surprises. Not a lot. Not not too many. Just oh, you mentioned Oklahoma. Uh, 
you know, they're they're Virginia Tech being this bad is a little bit of a surprise. I didn't think they'd be very good. I thought they'd be like a six and six kind of team. They're really bad. Yeah. Like they're yeah. really, really bad. They're gonna um, upset Liberty this week, says me. Uh, so. They they need it. They need it. They really need <laughs> it. Outside of that, some of the other surprises are more of just individual units. I didn't think Iowa's offense would be this bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't think they'd be good, but I didn't think they'd be this bad. But um uh, you know, n- nothing else has really shocked me a ton, to be honest with you. I mean, can at Pac-12. Do you believe we are sitting here and Virginia Tech is a 10-point underdog to Liberty? Like, is, can that sink in for a second? That is absurd, man. <laughs> I saw that line. I'm just like, I understand that Virginia Tech's terrible, but, like, we are at a point in our life that Liberty is a 10-point favorite over Virginia Tech. I just can't fathom that. It's not, I mean, and yeah, it's a home game for Liberty, but look, Lynchburg and Roanoke aren't that far apart. Right. You know, like, no, you're, you're absolutely right. There's no, there's no excuse, no justification for that to be the case. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I can't, I I cannot, it's actually a a 10 point game. I didn't even look, it's down to nine. Okay. That's, I got it at 10. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that's that's bad. No, I'm saying it's like that's, that's really not bad. any better. No. Wow. Because I mean, there's only been bad. enough betting on Virginia to swing that by a point. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, Robert Bishop is Jerkovic playing, or is it the Moorhead kid? Uh, they haven't announced that yet, but the latest that we heard was that Jerkovic was doubtful. Now, is that legit, or is that Jeff Halfley playing mind games? I don't know the answer to that, but I'd be a little surprised if Jerkovic played. To be completely honest with you, I, I really mm-hmm. would. Robert Bishop also asks, or says, and then kind of asks, I think Brent Venables is a great defensive coordinator and a good recruiter, but I don't think he's a very good head coach. Agree or disagree? That's I literally said the same thing, Robert. When the when the when the hire happens, I, it's nothing against Brett Venables. Some guys are great defensive coordinators and just not head coaches for whatever reason. He never gave me a vibe of like head coach CEO. Like that's just not the vibe he gives off to me. Now, if he fails at Oklahoma, there will be many teams that will have will be suitors for Brett Venables to come run their defense. Great defensive guy, really good defensive minds. I just don't think he's a head coach. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I just what I think. Yeah. Now again, it's early, and we sure. have seen guys that that had never been head coaches before struggle early. Dabo struggled early, but I just 
the concern I had was I didn't think he had the temperament to be a head coach. Right. That's the concern. And, and Dabo had the temperament to be a head coach. He's a rah-rah guy. Brent Venables is a little out there. He's got some like Bob Diaco to him. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like he's got like, what did he say? What are they going to shove in their mouths? What? Like, remember that? Yeah. Water hose, yeah. Oh, fire yeah. hose. It was a fire hose yeah. in the mouth. Yeah. Like, okay, dude, do you know what a fire hose would do to your face? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you would not be just, looking he pretty just after says, that. He yeah. does some really weird things, and you're just like, dude, I don't know if this guy's got it. But again, it's early yet, and I don't want to completely write him off. He's, you know, it's it's been a rough year. He lost a lot of players to the portal because of Lincoln Riley, took a lot of dudes and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I get it, but uh, they've been underwhelming. But I'll say this. He did show me – a here. here's why I'm not ready to go there yet, Ryan. Because when they had lost some games, consecutive games, and got embarrassed in doing so, he kind of went into the team. The report is that he went to the team and was like, you know, kind of went off on him. If you don't want to be here, leave. And they responded with a really good performance the next week against Kansas and then beat Iowa State the next week. So he, he showed me the ability to rally the troops for a time. And then, of course, they lost at home to Baylor and then lost to West Virginia. So it was like a really brief, like, okay, you got them back going for a minute. And, you know, but then they kind of faded again. So, uh, but overall, I, I'm i just not a I'm, – I'm not a believer, but I'm, I'm at least willing to say, hey, let's give them a, at least two years to kind of put at least some bit of a stamp on, on, the, on them a little bit. So – and then the last one right here, we're going to end with a hot take from Brandon Plensner. His hot take is Notre Dame will finish with a better record than USC. So right now, USC is 9-1. and one, Notre Dame is 7-3. Wow. and three. So what this would have to be is Notre Dame wins their next three games, including a win over USC, and mm-hmm. they would win their bowl, which would include their bowl game. It also yeah. would mean that USC is going to lose the rest of the games they have left. That means you lose to UCLA, lose to Notre Dame, and then lose a bowl game. Neither is out of the question. I just no. feel like with USC's firepower, they're going to at least get one of them. You know, especially, Ryan, if they lose to UCLA and Notre Dame because then they won't get as good of an opponent in a bowl game. Right. Like, I will say that. You, you could sell me that they end with the same record. Well, not the same record because they've been the Pac-12 championship, right? But you could sell mm-hmm. me – that they would both have 10 wins at the end of the season. And I would believe you because I think that Notre Dame definitely can win the last two games. And I think that they have a chance. I mean, it depends what the draw is, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, USC, I, I think it's not going to happen because I think USC is going to win this week against UCLA. So I think it's going to probably push to 11 wins is most likely USC for me. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just think that it's highly unlikely. I don't know if I'd say highly unlikely. It just, I'm not predicting it because again, right. you and I both predicting USC to win this weekend, which eliminates yeah. that as an option. Unless, I mean, yeah, there's no way. There's no like, there's no way Notre Dame can get in the college football. The only way Notre Dame could get could do it with mm-hmm. USC winning this weekend is if the most insane stuff happens the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, Michigan loses to. I mean, it would just have to be. You have to like Michigan loses to Illinois and Ohio State. Like North Clemson loses to Miami this week and then beats North Carolina. LSU gets beat by UAB or AM and Georgia. 
Uh, you know what I mean? Like so much cr- TCU would have to lose twice mm-hmm. for Notre Dame to have any kind of chance. Like I just don't – I don't know if there's enough craziness for Notre Dame to get in the playoff, and I think that would be the only way Notre Dame could get more than USC because they'd need the extra game. Right. You know, and I just don't think that. I don't think it's going to happen, but – um yeah, the conference I, championship I, yeah. element throws a wrench into right. the hot take. But I respect they it, could, Brandon. Because they could lose it. this weekend to UCLA and still get in the conference championship game, right? It's not out of exactly. the possibility that, that happens, right? Exactly. So, yep. yeah. Yep. We're just going to have more very, cracks yep. at it. More cracks at it, and they have a couple games over Notre Dame right now. So, makes mm-hmm. it tough. So, uh, Tommy Guns really, really wants this question answered, Ryan. <laughs> John Madden, Paul Brown – Vince Lombardi and Newt Rockney rank them in order. That's good. Uh, want them as a coach for just one year on the college so, level or NFL level. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't want any of those guys right now for the modern game. I mean, three, all of them are, they're all passed away. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yes. in, in all seriousness though. Um, you know, the one that I would probably go with Ryan is Paul Brown. Cause he ran the Number most one. modern offense. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy that kind of gave Bill Walsh the sort of the the uh, impetus to kind of develop the West Coast a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he, that's probably the where I'd go is because he run. He's the guy that runs is the closest to John Madden's probably second in regard to guys that run an offense that would be the most translatable. Oh, you don't want to? I mean, come on, man! But Lombardi be like, "We're gonna make a seal here and a seal here. We're gonna hit the out." Yeah. No. I would yeah. love for Notre Dame to actually do things where they're pinning and pulling and creating seals. <laughs> and bull, That'd be yeah. phenomenal, right? But Post pa- yeah. power trap or whatever yeah. you call that play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So no, no, I mean, yeah, I'd probably go with Paul Brown or Madden, you know, as long as they're bringing the coaching staffs that they had with them, it'd be the close. Cause I could say, okay, give Madden. me Paul Brown. And then my offensive coordinator is a young Bill Walsh, you know? So sure. I'd probably go John Madden. John Madden. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. vertical no. passing game guy. They like to yeah. do that stuff back then, now, you know? Keep in mind who you'd be doing the vertical passing game with right now. It's all right. So I might have, to, right. I might have to change my opinion and go Newt Rockney. I'm, nope. I've changed I'm, my opinion. I'm, I'm going Newt Rockney. Nope. Nope. Time out. Run the triple option, huh? Run triple nope. option. Nope. Not, they do not run the triple option. What are you talking about? <laughs> Single way. What do they run back then? Come on, what do they run back then? <laughs> Basically, it's four running backs. Give me four running yeah. backs. I'm going to have, yeah. I'm going to have, uh, Chris Tyree taking the snap. My estimate, they're going to do the shift with estimate digs. And I'm going to go, let's see here. Who's my fourth guy going to be. It's not going to be Jabron Payne because he's a young buck. I'm going to preserve the season of eligibility. I'm going Braden Lindsay's going to be my, my third back. He's my speed. You're going to run double. Are you running, are you running the the full house? Are you running like a double tights? Power eye. I'm not double tight. Double wing power eye. <laughs> Dude, you, you do not know what Newt Rockney did? I mean, come on, yeah, man. I remember Newt, man. I've, okay. I've seen the videos. I've seen the I mean, videos. you know, they're not doing any of those things. What I'm yeah. saying is this, however, is for the, the personnel of the Notre Dame football team to get your best 11 on the field, you got to take the quarterback off. That's all I'm saying, right? Could you imagine? And they don't use the receivers. Ryan, they don't use the receivers anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they can still throw, they can have one receiver outside. So give me Tobias outside, give me Michael Mayer at tight end, and then give me Lindsey, Estime, and Diggs at running back, and then give me Chris Tyree as my single wing quarterback. 
back. Could you could you imagine the triple option with they uh, did run the triple option? Back? Could you imagine it? Could you imagine it? I will say this. I will I will say this. Yes. Audric Estime would have been a monster in Lou Holtz's offense. A monster. Like, could you imagine if they were running the it, it wasn't the triple option, it was the power option. Okay. They <laughs> did it out of the eye. Okay. Yes. They weren't running the veer. But it, could you imagine though if they had like, you know, I'll take a guy that you like. Jeff Sims at court. Now, I don't like Jeff Sims for this, but Jeff Sims and Lou Holtz's offenses, athletic, mm-hmm. big arm. And that's kind of what he liked, right? But if you could take him at quarterback with, with Audric Estime at fullback and then Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree as your rotation at running back, because you know Lou loved using a speed guy, and then you'd have Braden Lindsay to one side and Tobias Merriweather on another side, and then you have Michael Mayer at tight end. You know, you know what I mean? Like you get some really yeah. great option plays where Chris Tyree is is you know getting the speed options, or they're going speed option right, and all of a sudden you're flipping it to to Braden Lindsay on a reverse. Who boy, <laughs> throwing the bomb, the play action bombs at Tobias and Deion Colsey and Michael Mayer. I mean, this oh, yeah. is the most. This is a team that's built better for that than we've seen at, at Notre Dame in a long time because of the unique nature of their running backs. Because mm-hmm. in the '80s and early '90s, Audric would have been a fullback. 100%. He would have been a Jerome Bettis type of fullback, thousand yard runner as a fullback, a Ray Zellers type of fullback. There's no doubt about it. That'd have been fun to watch. That'd have been really fun to watch. A whole lot of fun to watch. So anyway, all right. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. I want to appreciate everybody for being with us. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario will have our countdown to kickoff. So do not miss that. Ryan and I and some others will be back for the post-game show after Notre Dame uh, beats Boston College. I know I'm being a bit presumptuous there, but I think that they will. So we're going to do our best to stay warm tomorrow, at least myself and my wife. My wife's going to have to actually be outside shooting the game a little bit tomorrow, so she's going to do her best to be to be warm. I'll do my best to be warm walking into the stadium. And then, of course, Saturday, Sunday night, we'll, we'll try our best to have our post-game show and make it all happen that way. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Thanks, everybody. Like, subscribe, notifications, share. Message boards, board Irishbreakdown.com, five-star review. Check out the Bill Bars. Great deal. Get 10% off your purchase. Check out the merch store. We've had a lot of people buying merch lately. Sold a lot of hoodies this month, Ryan. People getting ready for the cold weather. So I definitely want to get those as well. So everybody have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.